Welcome to Timber. I'm John Christensen, a Timber co-founder. Timber is podcast hosting for people dedicated to the craft of audio storytelling. And we're also a place to read about these same people and what they do to amaze our ears. Today I'll be reading one of the early stories from Timber, and this one is by Angela Chen, who really I have so much to thank her for because Angela has essentially taught me how to edit a publication, and she also reads and copy edits every single story that we put out. Uh, so thank you so much for all the help through these last many months, nearly a year now, Angela. Um, here I go. I'm about to read your piece. The science journalists who don't care if you don't like their vocal fry. The host of science podcast Weirdest Thing are young, casual, chatty, and female. Traits that some say are their weakness, but to them is their strength. Written by Angela Chen, June 30th, 2020. Another day at work. Your coworker tells you about an archaeological dig that uncovered the skeleton of a baby that apparently was born in the grave itself. You're completely unfazed. Oh yeah, you say, coffin birth. That was one of the many such incidents that made Rachel Feltman, articles editor at Popular Science, realize the facts she knew off the top of her head and came across daily were totally new stories for a lot of people. It's a trait shared by many science journalists who delight in this kind of stuff and in the did-you-knows and gross facts and odd nuggets of information. So when Popular Science started thinking about putting together a podcast, Feldman floated the idea that would become Weirdest Thing or Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week. Inspirations included The Memory Palace, 99% Invisible, and No Such Thing as a Fish. Though Feldman adds that those podcasts are far more produced and complicated than Weirdest Thing, Weirdest Thing is exactly what it sounds like. Feltman and two colleagues talking about something odd they came across while researching things that we might not write a whole article about, but would be fun to talk about. Not all of the things are weird, mind you. Some are wholesome and heartwarming. Apparently, there's a family in South Carolina that has recorded the weather every day since 1893 on behalf of the federal government. There's a theory that Benedictine abbess and mystic Hildegard of Bingen wrote the first description of the female orgasm. And did you know that chainsaws were originally developed as an aid for difficult births? Okay, we're back. And Claire, why don't you tell us your facts? Yes, I would love to. Okay, so like I said earlier, I would like to make the connection between the chainsaw and childbirth. Now, when I was researching this topic and I found this fact, I was like, I actually have never used a chainsaw <laughs> in my life. So, Did you pick one up um, for research? I, I Google imaged it <laughs> just to be sure I knew what I was talking about and it was correct. So if you haven't seen, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> or you don't log wood for a living, you can Google image it. It works fine. But yeah, so the chainsaw, if you didn't know, are these mechanized saws and they have rows of really sharp teeth that rotate and carefully and precisely slice through things. Those things today are trees and lumber and firewood, uh, stuff like that. But originally, as it turns out, those things were bone and flesh. 
fun. Yeah. I'm really worried about where this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in the day, we're talking late 18th century, doctors didn't really have a lot of tools, tech, and medicine like we do now. So childbirth, well, even today, I would not call it a really rad experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, child in Childbirth in the 18th century was significantly less rad. Anytime a woman had any complications, the pregnancy turned from dangerous to extremely dangerous because there just weren't many options for them when things went wrong. So for example, if a baby was in a breech position, which is when the legs are out first instead of the head, making it likely that the head could get stuck, or if the shoulders are sort of trapped, there were no really options available like the cesarean section today that would safely protect the mother and the baby. And since there was no anesthesia then, doing something like a cesarean section was just really like not acceptable. So originally what doctors would do in that case would be to literally cut with a sharp knife, no anesthesia again, the cartilage and pelvic bone area that would literally open up the pelvis to make it wider enough for the baby's legs or shoulders um, to get through. Yeah. What? This is correct. Yes. This procedure if you could call it a procedure, I guess, was called a symphiostomy. So, yeah, that existed, and doctors did it. Two years on, the hosts have learned that everyone loves animal stories and that bizarre history facts are a hit. Particularly titillating episodes about topless duels or Nazis eating poop can lead to a slight listener surge. Though, choosing topics remains more of an art than a science. The podcast has institutional pop side backing and can use its social media channels, which has been a huge help, especially since nobody works on Weirdest Thing full-time. Other growth comes from pushing hard to be promoted on Apple or Spotify, which is easier when there are special guests or a new season, which makes it pay off to take breaks. Weirdest Thing is simple, it's fun and casual and personality-driven, and it's female. Smart, Female-driven podcasts obviously exist. Think Ali Ward's Ologies and Rose Eveleth's Flash Forward and Ariel Dunham-Ross's Reset. But when it comes to people sitting together in a room chatting about science, the canonical podcast is Radiolab, which is traditionally very male and very middle-aged. In the public imagination, scientists are men. Science journalists, too, or at least the real ones, are often expected to be men. Science is very, you know, serious. Feltman and her co-hosts, a rotating cast of popular science editors, don't have the gravitas of science radio voice. They say like and make jokes about the Founding Fathers and Kim Kardashian. They talk like themselves, and so most of the complaints have been about them giggling too much and having the gendered voice pattern called vocal fry, even though men, including famous radio man Ira Glass, have vocal fry too. We get messages that are admonishing us for being so silly and saying that more people would listen to our podcast if we took things more seriously and spoke more eloquently, Feltman says. From then to now. Flip a coin and the weakness can be a strength. For some, the sillier, lighter side of the science, without the radio voice, is precisely what has drawn them to the podcast and to the rest of the community. The humor extends into everything else. And Instagram that highlights the upcoming episode's quips, a Twitter with Batman gifts, and a private Weirdest Thing Facebook group that includes a lot of people who even don't listen to the podcast and are instead just Facebook group addicts who love weird facts. 
The private Facebook group creates a sense of exclusivity. But the original decision to keep it closed wasn't a marketing tactic. It came from the desire to make sure that the community remained a comfortable space. It's hard to keep an online space respectful when the group is entirely public, according to PopSide Digital Director Amy Schellenbaum. Anyone can join, but new members are asked to make sure that all facts shared come from reliable sources and understand that graphic or racist or homophobic language won't be tolerated. Creating a safe platform may be an essential part of community building, but the facts on the podcast itself don't always have happy endings. That can leave listeners feeling betrayed, but the hosts have never said that they would only provide rainbows and fuzzy feelings. Weirdest thing is calming and often an escape, but it's not always positive. It's not news either. Though the original idea was to pull facts that didn't make it into online articles, today, Weirdest Thing is no longer attached to the news cycle and has a new episode every two weeks instead of weekly. That allows the host to share genuinely surprising things that feel evergreen instead of being attached to the story du jour, and also sets it apart from the many COVID-focused podcasts that have cropped up in the wake of the pandemic. Not that Feltman is worried about the competition or that it's a zero-sum game for voicey female-led science podcasts. There are science podcasts for traditionalists, and Weirdest Thing isn't one of them. But it's good, too, that it's not the only alternative. There's been a great surge of female and non-white voices in podcasting over the past few years, and I can only hope it continues, she says. Thanks for listening to this story. I've been your host, John Christensen. And music, sound design, engineering, and mastering was done by Roy England. <laughs>